Hi everyone, I'm Lucas Mack and welcome to another episode of The Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. Today, I'm honored to have on my guest, Helen Hillix, who has been a licensed therapist for the past 35 years and is also an intuitive counselor and a spiritual activist or someone that is really on the cutting edge of bringing spirituality back into mainstream narrative. And I'm honored to have her on. Helen, thank you so much for joining today. How are you? I'm great. And I'm loving being on your show. I loved having you on my show and I love being here. So thanks for inviting me. My pleasure. So tell us where I ask everyone the same question every show is, where did you grow up? And tell us a little bit of your history. I grew up in Missouri. My parents, my grandparents were all farmers and my parents went off to college and never came back. Uh, They both ended up being university professors. My mother was a painting and drawing and art history professor. And my dad is a retired um, psychology professor at San Diego State. Wow. Did you grow up in... Or did they grow up in a religious home in the Midwest there and no. break from that? No, not at all. No, I, I, it, that's a very interesting question because my mother was very spiritual. She was very progressive for her day back in, let's see, I was 16, 1966. She went with some of her art students down to Mexico and did acid in, in awesome. order to have in order to have a spiritual awakening wow you wow. know she was that kind of person you know always looking and seeking and and um you know i'm a lot like her i think even though she drove me crazy <laughs> um, <laughs> but my dad is much more even though he studied psychology which i also have he was much more logical and agnostic at the very least hmm. well how did so you eventually they he got the job at San Diego State University so you guys you grew up in San Diego area or Southern California area No I we came here yeah when I was 13 but then my parents divorced and we moved back to Missouri so I didn't move back out here till after I had my master's degree and that was a long time ago still 1978 I moved back to San Diego and I've been here every ever since for for you growing up in that home where you had a mom who was very progressive, um, experimental in seeking life and all that exists there, and then having a very logical father, and then that split at 13, how did that impact your journey to continue down the psychology path? That's a good question. Um, I, I feel like honestly this I was made to do this Hmm. people would start telling me their problems when I was a teenager people Hmm. would come to me for support and you know in in the leadership program where we met you know people called me mama Helen and you know that (laughs) was that was partly age related but I think it's just an energy that I have carried all my life Yes. And that my mother also has, even though people come to her for support all the time. Mm. So I think it was kind of a built-in thing. Um, I don't think it really honestly had 
much to do with my dad other than perhaps I wanted to please him because he was gone. Hmm. But he's not into clinical psychology at all. He's terrified of facing himself and, you know, so it's not a, it's not a psychology that's related to the psychology that I studied. His is more experimental and history of psychology. Oh, interesting. For, I mean, being a therapist for 35 years and only practicing as a, as a therapist, when did you make the switch or was there a switch where now you become an intuitive counselor? Well, I started out my practice um, just, you know, as a regular therapist, but very quickly thereafter, I had a spiritual awakening and um, a friend of mine knew this woman named Beth Green from, she was living in the LA area at the time and she came down and met with different people and I was, that was it, that was day that changed my life, you know, and I'm still working with her today, 35 years later. Wow. I'm still working with her as my spiritual teacher. And, and she's the one that got me into spiritual activism. The, you know, the idea that if we don't change the whole world and we don't change people's minds from the inside out and look at the, the overarching problems of, of competition and, separation and all of those issues that just sitting there one-to-one in an office isn't going to do much. Right. So, you know, that's where I kind of, and, and she is an intuitive counselor and, you know, taught all of us who are in counseling to pay more attention to our intuition. You know, if I notice your shirt, you know, when I walk into a session, I say, you know, there's something about your shirt. And, you know, we take it from there and it turns out that, you know, your ex-sister-in-law gave you that shirt and, you know, (laughs) and, you know, she tried to sabotage your relationship and you're still carrying that. I mean, Mm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So everything's connected too. That's a good, that's a good way to show people that everything's connected. Yes. Yes. So, you know, I work with people about, you know, it's not your fault that, that you, are an addict. Our whole society is addicted, for instance. And it really addresses a lot of the shame that people feel. Because, you know, one of the things, you know, you had said you want to talk about what blocks us from healing. Yep. And shame, I believe, is really the main thing, honestly, that blocks us from healing, Mm -hmm. is the shame that we feel about who we are. And it starts because we know, I mean, this kind of gets esoteric, but it's really very down to earth, is when we are tiny, we know that we are a burden. We know that we're not giving anything to our parents and that, you know, they they are just totally stressed out, especially when you're a baby, you know, they're totally stressed out taking care of you. And we develop some kind of awareness that of that when we're pretty young. Mm that we feel, you know, that we're not convenient to them. (laughs) We are sucking their resources. (laughs) And, you know, depending on your parents, you know, my parents were 25 years old and both were in graduate school and had six kids by the time they were 25. And it's like, you better believe that I was aware that I was a burden and I was very anxious to prove that I had some value. Hmm. 
How, what order are you in the six? I'm the oldest girl. Wow. Um, but the, my older brother was kind of, I don't know. I, I mean, this sounds so painful and it was, but he was kind of the throwaway child, you know, mm-hmm. literally he was sent away to live with my grandparents when he was in first grade because there were too many kids. Wow. And so I sort of had the role of the oldest child. He came back. I mean, it wasn't like he sent away forever, but you know, there was that too, you know, that, that impetus that, and, and my family's nothing unusual, you know, I mean, yeah. all of us have stuff like this, yeah. but that just exacerbated my feeling like, you know, you better be, you better yeah, be better valuable. Ship, uh, what is it? Shape up or, sh- or you're going to get shipped out, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, you better prove your value. Wow. You better, you know, and so there was that shame of, you know, we're a burden, we're a burden. And I feel like so many people feel that. And, you know, if your parents were abusive or mean or whatever, you know, or narcissistic or, mm-hmm. you know, we could go on and on because everybody's parents have problems. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that's one thing. That's one belief I'd like to disabuse the audience of immediately is that there are no quote unquote normal people. Mm. You know, we all, think, we all compare ourselves to other people, which of course just intensifies the shame we have about who we are. Yeah. Yeah. When, you know, in 35 years I have never met, and, and I'm not talking just people that are my clients, but most of my clients are perfectly regular people. Yeah. They're perfectly regular people. They come in because they have relationship issues or they have child parenting issues or they have issues with their career or, or they have trauma as a child and they know that it's interfering, but they're mm-hmm. not crazy people. Right. You right. know, crazy people go to a psychiatrist, you know, they don't really come for therapy. Hmm. So, you know, just get rid of the idea that you ought to be more normal. You know, there is just no such thing. Just give yeah. it up. Yeah, that's beautiful. Which also, because I, I think that's such, um, that is so important what you just shared. And it also leads me to this narrative that I, I am so passionate about talking about, which is healing. Like there are he- more healed people, but that isn't a normal, that those are two different categories. What do you think of that? Like there's healthier people, but that doesn't mean the healthier person is a normal person. Well, what do you think of that? that uh, people have spent lots of time and energy getting healthier and more healed. Absolutely. I, I was only talking about people that think I shouldn't need any help and there's something wrong with me. I'm, I must not be normal because I've got this pain inside me. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah. all I was talking about, yeah, you know, good. is that, that people think that other people are more normal and don't need any help, you know, that they shouldn't need any support. Um, so this, this is such a beautiful point that we're talking about is, yeah, the people that keep shame, most everyone has allowed shame to keep them in this prison really of, of what, of, well, of denial and isolation because Mm. they, this is, I'm glad you reiterated it that way, Lucas, because Shame keeps us believing that there's something wrong with us that should not be exposed. Mm. We're terrified of exposing what is wrong with us or we are going to be rejected and thrown out of the tribe. 
we have this primitive belief that if we get thrown out of the tribe, we're going to die mm. because we would die. We would die. Hmm. In the caveman days. So it's, it's funny that what people, it's like the worst punishment a prisoner in a, a real prison can experience is um, solitary confinement. And yet people put themselves in their own solitary confinement when they allow shame to rule their life. You got it. That is so, that's a great comparison. That is so true. It's like, we don't we need it. Our, Yeah. No, that's so interesting. And we're, we're go around and this, and this relates back to the normal conversation. You know, we go around trying to prove that we're normal. And that's because we feel ashamed of who we actually are. And we think that normal is the right way to be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's, it's all this mistaken information that we get all along the way. And again, it's a societal thing. You know, you're so, and, and you talk so much about it in the vulnerable hero, mm. you know, that men are supposed to be this way. They're yeah. supposed to be uber sexual. Right. They're supposed to be all motivated to make a bunch of money. They're right. not supposed to be emotional. Right. So if you're not that kind of guy, if you're not hypersexual or whatever you think of that at being, yeah. You know, then you feel like you're not a man and you have shame about that. And so you, you can't talk about it. You can't expose who you really are. You have to pretend. Yeah. So and and you know, women and on, are the same. And on the flip side of that, my experience with a lot of men that are hypersexual are men that are the, wor- the most hurting. And they, instead of even going back to that shame and dealing with whatever has caused that because out of balance is out of balance. It doesn't matter if it til- tilts one way or the other. Absolutely. If without balance, there is no health and maybe health without health, there is no balance. And so, yeah, I think this is really such a beautiful topic. Shame. And what are, we, this is processing with you right now is what are we ashamed about? For instance, I think, like our own self image and our own body image and our own emotional image, all our images of ourself that used to be compared, keeping up with the Joneses in a neighborhood, you would see, Oh, the neighbors have such and such, or my neighbor friends have such and such toy or whatever. But now with media, it is taking <laughs> on steroids. The concept of like, even of the Joneses, like, Oh, that's cute. <laughs> Oh, that's sweet. That's now it's like, you know, this blazing inferno of it's wherever you go now. People, so it's exacerbated the, 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 the lack of healthy self-image, which has led to more comparison, which has led to more isolation because shame is I'm not what people think I should be. Or I mean, it's crazy. It is crazy. And let's go back to the essence of it, Lucas, is ego. Mm. You know, it's ego. It be, we, we are born, once we are born, we begin developing a sense of separation, a sense of individuality. Mm. And that ego, the job of the ego is to protect our survival, right? Yes, yes. The, the problem is we don't develop the other aspects of our personality 
and our being enough, you know, spirituality and so forth. So ego ends up taking over more and more and more of us. And, you know, that's what's happened in our whole culture. Mm. The thing that you're talking about is the whole culture is based on ego. The Kardashians, you know, I mean, it's just, they are the, they are the stereotype of, of that. Right. Is that they, I, I just love it when people say, you know, they have no talent. They, yeah. they have no, they, I mean, they're just, I, I don't know what it is, but they, <laughs> you know, they just have money and they're making more money and they have big tits and big butts and I don't know, <laughs> blonde hair. I, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Anyway, uh, that, it, it's our whole society. Yeah. Yeah. Our whole society, you know, honors and, you know, admires this kind of person and this kind mm. of lifestyle and the competition and the greed and, and all of that is all based on the ego overblown. Mm. So we can go back to a little child who, you know, is feeling his ego and, you know, so he, he want, he's playing with Johnny and Johnny has a toy he wants. And so he grabs that toy and what does his mom say? You know, no, Johnny, that's not nice. Yeah, that's, that's not wrong. Nice. Yeah, that's wrong. You, yeah. You're supposed to share. And so, what does Johnny feel? Hmm. Yeah, oh, Johnny, the I can't remember which kid is which. Yeah. Anyway, the, the kid that <laughs> yeah, grabs yeah. the toy, the right, kid that right. grabs the toy feels shame. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm bad. Yeah. I just did something bad, and it's the most natural thing in the world. It's just ego. And we, we don't take the time, and, and it, it's not anybody's fault. We're not taught this, Lucas. We're not taught this. But if we understood it and we took the time to say, it's perfectly, it's okay, Johnny, that you want the toy, but we, we get to learn how to share. We get to. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it's, there's nothing wrong with you. It's just something you don't know yet. You know, we don't shame a five-year-old for not knowing how to read yet. Right. You know, so it's like, why do we shame children for not knowing how to share yet? But that's what happens. And we get shamed over and over and over and over and over and over for little things that are just natural to us. And so it makes us feel like there's something wrong with me. Okay. So this then, this is such a a beautiful point. The parent that causes shame in the child is really sensing a lack of control of that child, I think. And it's because the, the parent feels a lack of control of themselves. So it's easier to control the weaker vessel and stop another as opposed to looking within and like dealing with whatever's going on. And this is where this generational cycle um, some people call it generational curses or generational cycles or whatever. It's, it's passing on and on and on. And someone gets to say enough. I will be the permission for you to heal. Like in our home, it has been such a drastic with three children. Now there is no, or it's not binary. It's all. And it's continuation. It's like, yeah, you can do this. And what will happen if you do that and process worth is like, don't do that. That is so wrong. You know, like, oh, geez, because that was how I, I want to break it. Like we get to, it's interesting. The we parent is only trying to control the child because they have a, a, a lack of heal, healing in themselves that they need to deal with. Well, I agree. And rather than the word 
control, I would say that the parents are also feeling shame. Mm. And it's like when their child then is a selfish little brat and wants to steal the toys, then they feel like a bad mother or a bad father, which triggers their shame. And oh, so they, yeah. they want they want their child to behave so they don't feel like they don't trigger their own shame. And that's where the control comes in. It's also an attempt to control not feeling shame. Right. People so, don't, I, I just want to make this point. People do not control because they like it. It's not, you know, it, people can't, you can get addicted to it. But but there is something underlying it, some self-hatred, some anxiety, something, something, some pain underneath that behavior. And people say all the time, oh, they're just a control, what, what freak. are they Control freak. freak. That's yeah, it. control Thank freak. You. They're a control freak. They're just a control freak. You know, that just irritates the shit out of me <laughs> because it's, that's not it. You know, they're not just, you know, they don't just love, you know, I wake up in the morning and just can't wait to see who they can control. Now, it, they, it can get to that point, but it's really that they wake up feeling anxious and full of self-hatred and they can't wait to cover it up. Hmm. It's interesting. If we break down the, the meaning of the word freak, which is abnormal, a freak is abnormal. So it's an abnormal behavior expressed through control or it's an abnormal individual that and not that there isn't such thing as normal what we're talking about but that behavior we're calling a control freak abnormal but we're really saying hey this person's not healed there's something going on with this person they're expressing it through control or they could express it through drug use or addiction to what i mean exactly whatever, however it gets expressed there's something going on below the surface exactly this is um I, I love talking about this because I don't hear it. I don't hear it enough. I don't hear. It's like I, no one will ever indict another for being loving too much. Like Helen, you are too loving. <laughs> it's like, you are too loving. You, you make me feel so loved too much. Like that, that doesn't exist. What usually is I don't feel enough love from people. You know, there's always a lack. We can indict the lack, but usually the surplus isn't indicted. Like, um, they were so giving they like, <laughs> and, and in balance and in health. What I'm bring this up is I don't think there can be an indictment of enough of this type of conversation, enough type of talk about vulnerability and, and shame and addressing these things. We certainly have a lack of it. We don't have enough people talking on a wide scale because even I'm tired of the, the lifestyle entrepreneurship narrative. I'm just done with that whole world of motivation and who cares? Like, seriously, I've, there's, we've had eons of motivational talk and that has not solved the root problem of shame in this country and shame in this world and shame in our lives. That's you what I want to get to. I am so glad to hear you say that because I'm kind of sick of it also. And um, it, from my perspective, it adds to people's shame. Mm. Oh, yeah. Go explore that. Like, when, how? How? Well, because, you know, I mean, I just, for instance, saw a guy saying, you know, five steps to becoming a millionaire. Yeah. You know, and it's like, okay, 
everybody can become a millionaire. Well, that's uh, effing bullshit. <laughs> you know, it, it hot. <laughs> we are, we are not, not everybody's going to be that. Not everybody should be that. Not yeah. everybody aspires to that. Yep. Not everybody's capable of that. Yep. And so it just makes people feel bad about themselves, you know, that they don't look like, you know, I, I don't want to name names, but you know, all yeah. the people on Instagram that are just, you know, in the yeah. look perfect and their life is perfect. And they, you know, they, they, you know, record from Greece or from Jamaica or from, you know, all yeah. just to show you that, that yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna work for you. And this is what you want and follow me and you'll find it. And, you know, it's just, again, it just makes people feel worse about the lives they live rather mm. than saying, you know what? Connect to yourself, connect to God, however you think of God, the yeah. universe, yeah. The spirit, higher power, you know, nature, you know, and find what makes you feel relaxed and happy and, and find your gifts and, and give them whatever they are. Who cares? And, you know, on the other side of it, I love the minimalist movement mm. because I interviewed a couple of people when I was doing this radio show called The Inner Revolution. Um, that were big names in the minimalist movement. And I just love that movement because they're saying, don't buy into all this crap. Just yeah. don't buy into it. You can still make a ton of money if, if that just happens to be the thing, but just don't buy into that, that the accumulation of material objects is going to make you happy. Right. And the whole Marie Kondo movement, which I'm so thrilled to see. I love purging. I just mm. love in an hour or two to go through and find stuff I don't need and get rid of it. Yes. And, and it, it's related to the same thing. It's like saying, look what our society has taught us yes. is to have all this crap in your house mm. that just piles up and piles up and suffocates the movement of energy in your home. Yeah. Yeah. That stresses the relationships anyway i could go it's, on and on no, you you just i'm going to i'm going to go i'm going to go here you you brought this thought up in my mind <clears throat> our society is the narrative in our society in mainstream is more 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 leads to more leads to more if you have more you'll be more you'll have more you'll be more you'll have more <clears throat> and then you're saying there's this counter movement which is less 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 feel better 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 and it you know, purging well, all these material issues. And there's no mainstream narrative yet of purge emotionally, like get rid of those things emotionally, like deal with those things emotionally, get rid, like take a, a, take a stock of yourself today. And what do you need to clear? What do you need to get rid of? Because that's what you'll feel better at. And you know, this is not, uh, I don't actually feel like I need to qualify the statement, but you know, I've been clear in this podcast. It's not a religious podcast in any way, shape or form. But one of the things out of all the religious texts that I've read and really liked is I really do like reading the Bible for, for one of many reasons. It says, humble your, there's a verse that says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. And it's, it's a narrative that you don't hear too often. Now, forget Lord, forget, strip all the right, way. Right, be humble. But Just it's be humble. humble and then you'll be lifted up versus lift yourself up and you'll be lifted up more. And then that's where the derivative of some, there's a, 
a simplification of a verse that says pride goeth before destruction. And the verse that's taken from um, a haughty spirit goes before a fall and pride goes before destruction. And it's fascinating that we don't hear too much of that narrative anymore of like, Hey, be humble and you'll be, you'll be successful, be vulnerable and you'll be influential, be, you know, purge your, your own material stuff. You'll feel better. It's like a counter intuitive. It's a dichotomy that is lacking, but maybe the movement starting with the material side will lead to people's awareness of like, Hey, if you feel good getting rid of stuff in your house, just think how much better you'll feel getting rid of stuff in your heart. I love that. Maybe I'm going to, maybe I'll brand myself as the Marie Kondo of the therapy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, the, the magic art of tidying your, your insides. Yeah, totally. I think that's such a beautiful. I do too. Concept. I love it. I'm going to think about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, so I think we've talked about shame. We've talked about um, normal. We've talked about healing. And if there's one thing that you could achieve with all people, I mean, if you were given the power to wave a wand and people become a certain way, what is it that you would love people to, how would you love their ways of being to show? Well, you know, it, it, I think it starts with the elimination of the shame. Hmm. Because just think about it for a minute, Lucas. What if, what if you had no shame about anything that you had ever done or anything that has ever happened to you? You know, I think about that. You know, how would that feel? I mean, it would be like, you know, I'm feeling like a real bitch right now. I, I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I must need some support, you know? Mm. Let me make a call. You know, it's like yeah. we would have no shame about however we you know i realize i'm lusting after my gardener mm. you know i wonder I, I should talk to my husband about that yeah yeah you know how, i mean it's like that. there would be no shame in it you know it would be oh. and it happens so but we just don't talk about it yes. so if we if we were just if we could let go of all of our shame you know we would be able to talk about whatever we're feeling you know, I realize I have a lot of violent feelings and I, mm. and I don't know what to do with those. But we've been taught as a little kid when we hit someone on the playground that you're bad. Mm. You're bad. So you must, not, you must not own the fact that you really have a lot of violent feelings. Yeah. So what happens, you know, is, you know, I don't know, you, you beat your wife or your children or whatever, mm. rather than finding out what's the, the source of that aggression. Hmm. So, I mean, I feel like it still all comes back to shame. And I, I want to, I keep hearing to bring it back to the golden rule revolution. And hmm. I don't know why I keep hearing that, but I'm going to follow yeah. that. Um, that, you know, ultimately that's what we all need, you know, is if we could have the elimination of shame, we could live by the golden rule and have the golden rule revolution. We could have it if we didn't have shame. I love that. That's you know, a beautiful, we, that's beautiful. We could, we could be that way. We could, because I wouldn't be so busy protecting myself and defending myself because I feel so ashamed. Mm. So I could just let the love flow through me, mm. you know, and I could treat you the way I want to be treated. 
Yeah. And, you know, I, I love that. The, that. That is the way that if our society were based on that, and, and I think this is the next piece, is that in order to have the golden rule revolution, we have to change the fact that the ego runs our society. Mm. We have to because it, the way it is now, it's like the rich get richer and they don't care at all about the, the poor people or other people. You know, they just don't care. And this whole thing about, you know, if the, if the rich have more money to spend, they're going to, you know, lift up everybody underneath them. Well, how well has that worked? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it doesn't work anywhere. And so it's not just our society either. I mean, I, it, you know, you asked me what I would dream of. You know, yeah. I would dream of one world, one people. Mm. Mm. you know, where there are no countries anymore. Mm. We are all one human race and we all do what is for the highest good of all, which is the golden rule revolution really yeah. is doing what's for the highest good of all. Yeah. Yeah. In, including every individual. And so there would be no Chinese and Russians and Africans and Americans. And, you know, someday if we are lucky enough not to have destroyed our asses with mm -hmm. climate change, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, someday this will come to pass and mm -hmm. there will be no white people. There will be no redheads anymore. It will all, we will all be brown. We will all have brown eyes. I'll miss redheads though. I love redheaded people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just get to keep going. No, I like it. I just want to. Yeah, but you won't be here, honey. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be a brown man reincarnated and you will not give a shit about red hair because there will be so many more important things. Yeah. You know, I mean, just think about it. Yeah. If, if, there, if everyone were brown and had brown hair and everyone were, um, you know, part of one world and everyone's goal was to do what's for the highest good of all, then there would be no poor people. There would be no uber rich people. And we would be focused on making sure everyone has an education and healthcare is superlative. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe we will go to Mars and, you know, do all these fabulous things. We'll be able to grow plants in the air. I mean, who knows what we could come up with mm -hmm. if we weren't all busy getting fake tits and making mil a million dollars. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> The the golden rule revolution is going to put the plastic surgery business out of business, I guess. <laughs> well, as it should be, you know, the plastic well, surgery business should be for people who have been attacked by a chimpanzee yeah. and their face was ripped off or mm -hmm. they were born with a cleft palate or whatever. Yeah. That's what plastic surgery ought to be, you know, and we ought to, you know, Someday, hopefully, we will be evolved enough that we won't care if this one has big boobs and this one has tiny ones or, mm. or we have wrinkles, you know, or, or we don't like the way our nose goes. Or, mm. You know, when you think about it, it is unbelievably stupid. Mm. And the, you, know what the, you know what has fed, I don't know, you know I believe that what has fed the um, plastic surgery industry partly is pornography. Mm. which is also causing so much shame. <laughs> it's Yay, shame. Actually, maybe that's the, instead of the pornography industry, it should be called the shame industry. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I, I don't want to shame people because, to watch pornography because, again, there is a reason. They are looking, they are yeah. coping with some pain 
that they don't know how to manage and they do it through pornography, you know, and again, I feel so, ugh, it just makes my heart sick mm. thinking about the shame and pain that people who are addicted to pornography suffer every day. Yeah. Unbelievable yeah. self-hatred or, you know, and, and even, even if they say, it's everybody does it, you know, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, they still, yeah, know. Yeah, they still yeah. know there's something really painful about that, that blocks them from being able to connect to each other. I mean, I could, that could be a whole other podcast we could have, but yeah. Yeah. Maybe we, and maybe we get to have that because that I, in the past I was addicted to it and struggled with it. And it wasn't till I healed that all those things, all the peripheral stuff went away like truly went away. And I thought, well, if I just tried harder, you know, to fix these things. And it wasn't until I went and got healing, like truly let go. And I didn't care anymore. I just stopped caring. I wanted, I didn't want to live in my own body. If I was going to continue this path, I could not, you know, so that's the level that I went. And so many things went away and it's not like, I tried, they just faded, you know, just went away. And I think I, that's why I help people like be vulnerable, be open, you know, look at, turn and look at the shame and whatever caused that shame in the first place. Like turn around in your mind, look at the person, the, the situation, the, I remember one time I was in, this is just an anecdotal story, but I was in sixth grade and I was with another buddy who was in fifth grade and we went to this movie theater by ourselves, and I don't even remember the movie, but these three kids jumped me two two eighth graders and a sixth grader. And the reason I know that what grade they were in is they asked me what grade I was in and, and they were like, we're in eighth grade, these big guys. And this, this kid's in sixth grade. You think you can fight them? And I was just scared to death. I didn't want to get hurt. And, and I turned around to look for my buddy and he was gone. He ran away. And, um, I think so many of us carry shame and either run away from it or shrink in, in the moment of like, I don't want to face this anymore. But when we can turn in our mind and look at those people, situations, turn back around because shame, you, you know, the, the natural inclination of the, even the body position of shame is turning. It's putting our back to the opposition as opposed to facing the opposition and uh yeah the i can reality just yeah the reality the reality yes it's a it's a turning from as opposed to facing and exposing and mm-hmm. um yeah i think i think i love your vision and i love your mission and it's it, beautiful you know i want to say something too you know so that <coughs> i'm not adding shame to the pornography you know, our society has lauded a certain look, you know, and so, and that's what has perpetuated pornography. Mm. Otherwise, pornography wouldn't have taken off because it wouldn't have fit in our society. Mm. Mm. So again, it goes back to, to the golden rule revolution is that we have to change the whole society. We have to change what our society values. Mm. You know, our society values sexy looking women in high heels. Mm. Not brilliant women, not loving women, not yeah. women who are uh, elevated 
spiritually or con- in consciousness. Yeah. Our society, and then, you know, look at the, the who is president, you know, and his wife. Mm-hmm. You know, that is the icon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The man who can get away with anything but because he's got a, you know, a m- many, many millions of dollars and the, and the hot wife that he can get because he's a multimillionaire. I mean, that it's like the, that is the stereotype of what our country honors right now. And so mm-hmm. until that changes, hmm. pornography or denial or, you know, all, you know, abuse, all the things will not be addressed. Yeah. All the, all the addictions. Yeah. All the addictions. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's beautiful. And and this episode is helping address those and helping. And I, I think giving people the permission to face the shame and, and as long as we're not hurting others, we get to, you know, process. And if we're hurting others, we get to stop and then process, <laughs> but we still right. get to process, you know, like, um, right. We get to get support. Yeah, we're we worthy get. of support. Even if our parents couldn't support us, which is usually the case, our parents did not know enough to support us on our right. journey. Right. You know, and even it, so we can't, we grew up with this paradigm that there is no support for me and I'm not worthy of it. Mm. But that, again, is related back to the shame. And, you know, if there were one message I'd like to leave people with is get support. Wherever you can find it, get support. And not support to bolster the bullshit you already believe. But get support to really face the pain inside you so that you can be liberated. Mm. And, and really reach your potential. You know, everyone has the potential for happiness. Everyone has the potential for love. We just get to unblock whatever is blocking that potential so that we can be loved, so that we can be happy, so that we can be giving of our gifts to society, Mm. so that we can make a difference, so that we can live the golden rule revolution. Right. Well, I am so honored to have you on the show. How can people find you? Well, lots of ways, you know, you can follow me on Twitter and I'm sorry, I don't really use Twitter, Instagram and, and Facebook at Helen Hillix, which is H I L L I X. You can email me at Helen at Helen com, And I am very quickly, you know, coming out with my podcast from my heart to yours, where I will be talking about all things human Mm. you know addiction sexuality you know lucas talks about you know being a a modern man and what that really is like Mm. in one of the first episodes i have uploaded so check check it out i love it thank you so much for being on today well my pleasure thank you for having me as always, thank you so much for listening to the Golden Rule Revolution. If this has impacted you, inspired you, or even triggered you in any way, shape, or form, I would love to hear from you. I know Helen would love to hear from you. This is about life, and it's about love, and it's about treating people like people and nothing less. And what I mean by that is first, you get to treat yourself with full love and full liberation and full joy and full peace and 
strip away the solitary confinement that you self-impose because of the guilt. And then once you process that yourself, and it's always a process, it's always an ongoing journey. As you journey towards that freedom and healing, you get to process with other people and treat them in the exact same way that you want to be treated yourself. And that is with love, kindness, and respect. And as we start with ourselves, it creates a ripple effect and it impacts everyone that we encounter. So thank you for listening today to the Golden Rule Revolution. As always, I am your host, Lucas Mack. And if you feel so inclined, rate this podcast, comment, share, download, and let's help spread the word so that we can all become Golden Rule Revolutionaries. I'm Lucas Mack, and I'll talk to you on the next episode.